the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Last week, our Lord in the Gospel told us about the Samaritan who came to give assistance um, to the man on the side of the road. It was the occasion for us to realize that um, sometimes we do the same. Sometimes your priest does the same. Um, not always with malice, but the, the, the fact of the matter is we need to be prompt in responding to opportunities, um, not just for charity, um, but opportunities to render to others what they are due. Today our Lord tells us again about Samaritans doing the right deed in contrast to the faith of the those the faith of those who who should believe who should have faith he holds up a non-believer as an example of what we um, ought to be doing to trust and in this case not just trust like the centurion did but in this case specifically to give thanks to give thanks and honor to god recognizing that the good that we have received has come from his hand. So we can certainly all tell stories, and your priests can tell stories about, about their ingratitude. That wouldn't necessarily be um, inspiring. What we should perhaps consider are things for which we ought to be grateful, but we probably don't put in the category of reasons for gratitude. So what caught my eye two months ago on the 4th of July, when I'm usually offering the new Mass um, in honor of St. Elizabeth of Hungary, um, as opposed to the, the Mass for the civil observance, there is in the, the Missal on the altar right now a Mass in commemoration of all the popes, a Mass in commemoration of all the Holy Fathers, it's, it's a beautiful intention. It's not in the regular feast days. If you look in, in your general Roman calendar from 1962, you won't see it. July 4th would be the sixth day in the octave of the octave of Saints Peter and Paul, during which time we give continued praise to God for the gift of the apostles, the princes of Rome, Saints Peter and Saint Paul. In the Diocese of Los Angeles in Brooklyn, there is a particular feast on July 4th, that sixth day of the octave, in commemoration of all the Holy Fathers. In a sense, it's like an All Saints Day for all the popes whose prayers can benefit us. For which we should give thanks. And part of the way that we can offer that thanks is by praying for all the popes who still need our prayers. St. Catherine of Siena referred to the Roman pontiff knowing full well all of the things that he had been doing and saying. She called him sweet Jesus on earth. And so... Why did those nine lepers not come back healed? Maybe it's because, well, they, 
They were hoping to lose a little weight, too. Or maybe they were hoping to get a little smarter or a little better looking. But no, they only lost their leprosy. So maybe they were grateful for that. But if they had really gotten all their wishes, then they would have been really grateful. How often do we fall into that category? We, God showers us with blessings. And, we, and we're ingrate, ungrateful because we still want more. We're not satisfied. He gives us grace to carry our cross when we were hoping that he would just take away our cross. And that's not going to happen. So let us give thanks, as the popes inspire us to do, that the Lord gives us the grace to handle the struggles of this day, to face the evils of the present world. Yesterday evening, I was visited by one, one of our seminarians, uh, the, the, a very, very dear friend who's um, probably going to blame me at some point as part of the reason why he became a priest. And, and the, the evening's conversation went to the news of the day, uh, whether it be how the, the diocese is in the news these days, or how the other dioceses in the country are in the news these days, or how other prominent priests and authors are in the news these days, or other theologians or other bishops are in the news these days. And, it, and it's, it's edifying to hear the, the purity of the heart of a seminarian offer an explanation of, well, why, did, why that might have happened and why that person might have said that. And it was just delightful and beautiful. But it was my duty to just crush all of his naivete as my brother had done for me. The Code of Canon Law actually makes it very clear. Those who are studying for the priesthood should have no confusion, no ignorance of the challenges that will face them. They have to know about everything that they will face before they get ordained a priest. And as the conversation was going on, and I was, I was animated because... These are the things I care about. It's the things I'm excited about because these are the things we can do something about. It dawned on me, what am I, what am I doing to this young seminarian? Like, how, where do I stop and how do I put it back together? And at the end of the evening, he was so energized because this is worth giving up my life. To be to be reinvigorated with that desire to know all the bad things or enough of the bad things that are going on and enough of the bad people that are planning to do more bad things. When that doesn't get us depressed, but it makes us grateful for the opportunity to do something about it, that's the work of grace. That's, that's not just a human temperament. That's not just a matter of personality. That's a matter of God permitting someone to see their cross and reassuring them, I will give you the grace and the wisdom and the help to carry this cross. That which would ruin your vocation, I will heal you of that, but I will leave you with many other infirmities. I won't grant you everything on your wish list but I will spare you from that which would kill you. 
And so we should be grateful. It's telling then that as the, before the priest approaches the altar, before his, his litany of contrition and all of his admissions of sinfulness ensue, he is given a very important prayer that must be prayed. Before modern times, which is to say before the 13th century, this prayer was prayed in the sacristy. It was part of his mandatory prayers of preparation before approaching the altar. Because of the negligence of enough priests, because of the infrequency with which that prayer was actually prayed in the sacristy, it was made the prayer at the foot of the altar. It had to be prayed. The priest cannot approach the cross. He cannot approach the mountain of Calvary without praying Judge me, O God, and distinguish my cause from the nation that is not holy. Deliver me from the unjust and deceitful man, for thou art God my strength. Why hast thou cast me off, and why do I go sorrowful while the enemy inflict me? Send forth thy light and thy truth. They have conducted me and brought me unto thy holy hill and into thy tabernacles, and I will go into the altar of God to God who gives joy to my youth. To thee, O God, my God, I will give praise upon the harp. Why are you sad, my soul? Why do you disquiet me? Hope in God, for I will still give praise to him, the salvation of my countenance and my God. We have to steel ourselves, not just with gritty determination, but steel ourselves with gratitude and joy and then pick up our cross and go to Calvary. We don't pray that our enemies be taken away from us. We pray for light and truth to be able to fight the battle. And we know that we will die on this hill. And we know that that death will be victorious to the glory of God the Father. So there's no reason not to give thanks. We need to be the one in ten who recognizes that this this. This, this blessing which seems to have come out of nowhere, which doesn't seem to have come directly from God having done this at this particular time, but it happened at a later moment, came from God. And for his glory will it be used. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen.